listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning, everyone. Gotta love Tim Mackey and the Bible Project uh, folks. They do such a good job uh, telling those stories. And sure enough, there is a lot of water uh, in Scripture, um, even, even just in the Gospel of John. So this, this, this uh, Sunday wraps up our Easter season, our Easter tide series, which we titled Come and See. We borrowed that language from the Gospel of John. Jesus would often say to folks, come and see. He meets um, Simon, uh, Peter, and his brother Andrew, and he says to them, come and see. He meets, his, he meets James and John, and he says to them, come and see. And then, then we notice that Andrew goes and finds Nathaniel. And what does Andrew say to Nathaniel? He says, come and see, right? He uses the exact same language that Jesus had used with the disciples. Later, we see it was referenced here, but when Jesus meets the woman at the well in Samaria, Jesus kind of explains to her who he is, and then she goes into her village. And what does she say to those villagers? Come and see, exactly, right. Come and see. And so... You know, so many times I think we think we need the answers, right? I was asked just recently by a student who says, who asked me, he said, how do you know when you're preaching whether or not you're right? And I said, I don't worry too much about that. I, I, I worry about uh, just telling people about God, right? God's the one that has to worry about being right. I, I'm just one that needs to be a witness. Like we, we're playing the wrong role in the story, we're not the judge, right? We're not the creator. We're not the savior, right? I've never saved a single person in all my life. And I've never healed a person in my life. I've never delivered a person in my life. You think, well, Robbie, you haven't very done very much, have you? <laughs> right? But the thing is, I know someone who has, right? I know someone who does. And so that's now our role is to play that of witness, to say, come and see. Right. Come and see the one who told me. Come and see the one who has done this thing for me. In the Gospel of John, not only do we get that language of come and see, but we get this, if you forgive me, this kind of strong current of water. Right. So we first see it. um, It's in uh, chapter uh, two. Jesus turns the water uh, into wine and then. In chapter 3, he's with Nicodemus, and he says, The one who is born again must be born of water and spirit. Then in the next chapter, there's this guy. We talked about him last week. He couldn't get down into the water fast enough. Or at least he thought that was his problem. He thought Jesus was, asking, was offering him to throw him in the water. Then later, and this was referenced in the video as well, Jesus says, When the Spirit comes, it will flow out of you like rivers of living water. We then see Jesus wash the disciples' feet, right? That's in water. And then this kind of odd imagery that at the crucifixion, when Jesus' side is pierced, it doesn't just produce blood, but it produces water, right? Water is kind of the source of life. We even have it in the name of the church, right? This is Oasis Community Church. An oasis is a place where you come and receive water. It's a place in the midst of the dryness, in the midst of the difficulties, in the midst of the hard times, 
you can kind of come to an oasis and you can receive something to drink. So hopefully I have uh, whetted your uh, appetite just a bit. Right? All of this discussion about water, all of this video about water, and you're thinking, you know what I would like to have right now? I'd like to have a drink of water. Right. So we have some water for you. We're going to come around and we're going to give you uh, uh, little bottles of water. This is, um, this is not the living water that Jesus offered. If you, uh, that if you drink, you'll never thirst again. If you drink this water, you probably will be thirsty again. This is just good old regular water. But it's, it, is, it is water that we need to live, right? We can't, we can't actually live uh, without water. And so, um, here they come. Hey, Monty, can I have one too? Thanks. You'll notice that, uh, with a nice little bow on it, no doubt. (laughs) But you'll notice when you get your uh, bottle of water that there's a scripture on it. And this is is one of the scriptures that Ashley read to us earlier. Literally, this is in the very last paragraph of the New Testament, right? So if, if the Bible opens up with, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and he tells the story of the first humans in the garden and such... This is the very end of the story. This is Revelation twenty-two seventeen. It says, The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let everyone who hears say, Come. And let everyone who is thirsty come. Let everyone who wishes to take the water of life as a gift. Now what's interesting about this, and this might shock you a bit, <clears throat> but the Easter story which of course is a story about resurrection, about new life, about what life will look like now after the resurrection. So, you know, before Jesus, there was death, right? But now after Jesus, there is new life. So much so that we could even speak that of death as something in our past, right? Our death is behind us. Our life is in front of us. But what happens here is really interesting because at the very end, Jesus is like, this is me, Jesus, <laughs> the Alpha and the Omega, the, the descendant of David, like, I'm the one who sent an angel to you so you would know these things, right? Just don't get confused. And when the Spirit and the Bride say, come, they are speaking to Jesus, The Spirit has now so infilled the church that the Spirit and the church can kind of speak in tandem, saying, yes, Lord, come. Come come deliver. Come, come, Come be who you are. But watch what happens. Not only do the Spirit and the bride, I think, say to Jesus, come, but it says, let everyone who hears say, come. So that now it's not just the Spirit and the Bride who are speaking to Jesus, come, but those who have heard are now saying, come. This is how come and see works. The way come and see works is that um, we hear the message of come and see, and we come and find out what it's like to be with Jesus, to be loved, to be accepted, to be forgiven, to be shown grace and mercy. And we're like, this is, this is good. 
This is like, this is good news, literally. This is the gospel. And we go and we tell others to come and see. And when we do so, those others um, also join in this kind of verbiage, right? This kind of message, saying to others, come. So the spirit and the bride say, come, and let those, let everyone who hears say, come. Now, at that point, I think... the message is speaking to Jesus. Those first two comes. It's like, come, come, Lord. Come deliver, come back, come save, come redeem, come judge. But then it says, and let everyone who is thirsty come. So it's shifted. We're not, it's not the spirit and the bride and those who have heard who are saying to Jesus, come, Now, the spirit and the bride and those who have heard are saying to the world, come. It's like they they have shifted from the focus to asking Jesus to come to asking the world to come. Are you thirsty? Then come. Do Do you wish to receive the water of life as a gift? Come. Yeah. This this is for you. And this this is the kicker. We've often told the Jesus story, and for that matter, we've often told the whole creation story as though you were the main character, right? Like, like what is salvation about, right? What is, what is this thing called Christianity about? It's about how you can get your sins forgiven, and you can go to heaven, and you can avoid hell. Well, I've got some news for you. I hope this isn't a big shocker, like... You thought, hey, this is just like Memorial Day weekend. I'm going to go ahead and go to church anyway. I'll picnic, you know, tomorrow. You know, everybody came not expecting to be too, um, too troubled. The story's not about you. You are not the main character in the story of the Bible. You're not the main character in the story of the world. You're not even the main character in the story of your own salvation. The main character is God. God is the one who is at work. And God is at work in creation, and God is at work in Christ, and God is at work now in you. But catch this. Even your salvation is not simply for you. That is, you're not simply the end goal. Like we often talk a lot about being saved from something. We're being saved from sin and death. We're being saved from hell. But I have, I have news for you. That is true. That sounds good, right? But that's not the whole story. You're not simply saved from something. You are saved for something. Like you are saved so that you can be a part of this bride or you can be a part of that group who has heard so that now you can be agents of that message. Ambassadors of that kingdom. That sounds very nice, doesn't it? Like to be an ambassador. I should have dressed up more if I was going to say that. I need like a jacket and tie to be an ambassador, right? But yeah, so now that you get to participate in what this looks like, and it looks different than what the world looks like. The world does not look like a place where everybody's welcome. (laughs) The world does not look like a place where everybody's invited to come and receive free gifts. 
That's not, that's not the economy of the world. The economy of the world is very different than that. You don't, you, don't, you don't get something for nothing. That's exactly how this economy works. God loved us first. While we were sinners, while we were enemies of God, Christ died for us. That's who we serve. But in that process, again, it doesn't, it doesn't just save us from the boogeyman. It transforms us into a new people who now have a, a message to carry. We now have a, a job to do. We have um, an action to participate in. And this is what I think then it needs to be, the, the, the people of God, that we have been shaped into this new group. One of the defining factors of the group is the fact that we will um, embody a certain amount of unity. Now, it's a true unity. It's not uniformity where we all just kind of are forced to be the same, or it's a true unity. It's not, it's not that there's a lot of sameness. There's not a lot of uniformity, but there is a lot of unity. So there'll be a lot of difference. We'll, we'll look different. We'll sound different. We'll have different views on different things. We'll root for different football teams, or we'll uh, root for um, different political parties, or we'll come from different nations, or we'll have different opinions, right? We'll have a lot of differences, but those differences won't be the thing that defines us most. What defines us most will be this unity that we have. We'll be shaped, we'll be formed into the image of Christ. This is uh, Ashley also read this for us. This was the gospel passage today, John 17. We often talk about the Lord's Prayer, right? That's the prayer that Jesus uh, taught his disciples to pray. In fact, we, we preached on it recently. That might have been last week or the week before. And that's a good prayer, obviously. Jesus taught his disciples to pray that prayer. But often in Scripture, uh, we are told that Jesus was praying. Like Jesus got up early and went to pray, or Jesus stayed up late and went to pray, or Jesus went to a deserted place and pray, or Jesus went up on the mountain to pray, you know, all right? or Jesus came and he prayed and this happened, right? He was praying, at, according to Luke, he was praying at his baptism, and he was praying when he went to preach, and he was praying on the cross. Um, like Jesus seems to always be praying, but there aren't very many times where Scripture tells us the content of one of Jesus' prayers. Like, we hear, we hear Jesus' prayer on the cross, I guess. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But we don't, we don't hear what Jesus was praying about very often, but John 17 is this extended description of Jesus' prayer. And what was Jesus praying for when he was this time that we're told about his prayer? He was praying for us, his followers, his disciples. And what was he praying for us? He was praying that we would be one, that, that we would be unified. He says things like this in the prayer. He says, Father, you and I are one. He says, Father, also, I am one with my disciples. 
Like we're in it together, right? Do or die. This is us. We're committed. But then he's like, Father, what I want is for you, Father, and for them to be one, just like you and I are one. And it's, a, it's, a, it's pretty radical, really. This, this, this message of unity, this kind of coming together. Next week is Pentecost Sunday. And Pentecost is this real message of unity. The Spirit comes down and diverse tongues don't divide people, they unify people. It, it, it is a message of unity. Even, even in our nation, we have, this, we have a sense that... This is how we should be. Now, the extent to which our nation has actually lived up to its ideal, that's for a conversation maybe at Sobre Mesa later or, or throughout the week. You know, we, we'll talk about ways in which we have or haven't or still could live up to this ideal. But it is an ideal in our culture that out of many, we could be one. We actually print it on, in the back of American currency um, in a Latin phrase, e pluribus unum, right? Out of many, one. Well, where did we get an idea like that? Out of many, one. That's actually rooted in Christianity. It is the prayer of Jesus um, recorded in John 17. When we come to the table, we say things like, we all become one because we all share from the one bread. The one bread there is not just literally the little crackers that we're giving you. But it, when we say that this, this bread is the body of Christ, and then we say the body of Christ which is broken for you, we all share from the one bread, therefore we all are one. Meaning we are all in Christ. And if we're all in Christ, then that, um, it, it changes us. It gives us a new way of seeing things. We care in ways we could not have cared before. We, we perceive in ways we could not have perceived before. It is a message of becoming one. And as we become one, there's these beautiful images of what that oneness looks like throughout Scripture. The one body, that is, that's an image. Paul really loved it, right? Did you not all know that you are members, plural, of the body, singular, of Christ? Right? You've heard of that term, right? The body of Christ. We say it a lot. Um, there's another one called the family of God. Right? That's a common term. The old preachers used to say, God doesn't have grandchildren, right? God only has children. And so we all have God as our father. Uh, Cyprian, the, an early church theologian, would say, no one could have God as their father who doesn't also have the church as their mother. <laughs> That's an interesting idea, right? That again, it's not just, we're not just these individuals like, um, what, like independent contractors, Right? We're, we're, we're in it together. <laughs> and and that's, a, that's an important part of it. it once, you, once we cycle off and we try to become independent Christians, just doing our own thing, that's, that's not actually how it works. To borrow from another passage in the Gospel of John, Jesus describes himself as the branch 
and he says that we are the vine, right? The vine kind of comes off from the branch, but if you were to separate the vine from the branch, it just dies out there. There, there is no way just to be a, an individualized Christian by yourself. You have to be in the group. That would be like saying, I could be part of the body. I'll just be a finger, but I'll just be a finger by itself, not connected to a hand. All of a sudden that got a little gross. I apologize. <laughs> that metaphor went a little darker than I intended it to. But you're getting the point, right? That this idea of the body of the Christ or this idea of a family of God, like that's the way families are supposed to work. And we all know that sometimes families don't work that way, right? Sometimes families get broken and, and there's distance where we don't, we would prefer it's not the case. But that's the, whole, that's the whole point, is that in order for the family to work, we have to stay together, right? We have to be committed to one another. There's another popular uh, imagery here, and that's the temple of the Spirit. Again, uh, Paul's helpful on this one. Uh, he says, did you all not know that your, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? And I think that's I've mentioned this before in sermons, but maybe it's worth repeating here. Um, I think that's often misunderstood. Uh, you know, people think that their own body is a temple, right? This kind of exercise culture that we live in, right? Everybody's trying to be healthy. You, can, you look at me and you think, you know, how does he have time to do what he does? Surely he spends all day in the gym. Ah, <laughs> oh, Delva. <laughs> Thanks for laughing. All right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, my body is a temple. <laughs> well, good. That's great. But that's not what Paul meant. Right. Paul's a second temple Jewish rabbi. And he knew that there, at any given time in Jewish history, there was only one temple. Like a temple might get destroyed, a new one might be built, but there weren't. He could not have a concept of multiple temples. That just wasn't how they, how they lived, how they worked. There was only one temple. And if he says, and this is where maybe a southern translation of, the, of Corinthians would be helpful, because <laughs> we've gotten so formal, we, we've, we're missing out. What's lost, what's lost in translation here is the sense of the plurality of the second person personal pronoun. You follow that? No, okay. It's like this. Um, I'll translate it into my southern colloquialism. Did y'all not know that y'all's body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Not that you're a temple and you're a temple and you're a temple, but you, as a body, and we use that language to refer to a group, as a body, we, our body, is the temple of the Spirit. We are members, but there's one body of Christ. We have bodies, but our bodies make up the body of Christ, the temple of the Spirit. So the one and only temple of the Spirit is not you, again. You're not the main character in the story. <laughs> it's us. And it's only us in the sense that we become the place then in which the Spirit dwells. The Spirit dwells amongst us. Not to say the Spirit's not also in each of us individually. That'd be like saying, like, I don't know, if this building represented Oasis, that... Um, the Spirit's only in the columns, but not in the ceiling, or only in the floor, but not in the walls. No, of course the Spirit runs through all these things. Like the river runs through all these things. 
like the water is always present, always giving life. Lastly, and this, this is more to our text today, uh, the way these metaphors that get used, like the, the body of Christ or the family of God or the temple of the Spirit, there's this one about the bride of Christ, that we become a bride. The imagery there, I think, is simply one of faithfulness. The bride of Christ is contrasted in that story with the harlot of Babylon. So we can be unfaithful, like a harlot, or we can be faithful like a bride. And when we are faithful like a bride, we are filled with the Spirit, and we find ourselves speaking in tandem with the Spirit. And, and our first word is not directed toward the world. Our first word is directed to Christ. Come. And others who, who do come, Join with us in that anthem saying to Christ, come. When, when we come to church, coming to church is not even primarily about you. Coming to church is a place to come and worship God. God is the main character here. Our egos are such that they're broken and sometimes they get inflated and sometimes they get kind of deflated and they're just they're trouble for us. We don't, we don't know how to manage those things very well. But what you do know is that in any well-adjusted adult relationship, you learn to defer and care for the other. Like, that's an important part of how things work. Collectively, we do that with God, right? Because God can receive that which we need to give without it kind of doing damage to God. And then God can give back to us all that we need. So we come. We come as a bride and we say with the Spirit, Jesus come. And then others who will come with us join in that anthem. But then we're still not done because the message to Christ to come is then paired or matched with the same message but now directed again to the world. So that they can come. Because God knows they need it. Because they're not going to get it elsewhere. They, they're not going to find it in their political parties. They're not going to find it in their sports teams. They're not going to find it sometimes in their own biological families, right? They're not going to find it there because it doesn't exist there. Where it exists... I, mean, I do think the Spirit's out there working kind of here, there, and everywhere. But where we find life, where we find wholeness, we find mercy and justice and grace, we can know that our God is at work there. And our God is bringing us this good new world. One in which we now have the wonderful privilege, not simply of receiving, but also participating in as we too become those agents, right? Ambassadors, <laughs> um, active. So Jesus, Jesus prayed. He prayed that 
we would be unified with each other, that our unity together would also be a unity with Him, and that unity together and with Him would also then be a unity that we all have with the Father. He prayed that we would be one. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.